So let's just have a quick look at the global level. I mean, uh, the, the critical thing up front is that the world economy got hit by this black swan event. And, uh, you know, let's face the reality, we're looking at about a 5% decline in, in global GDP this year, somewhat of a recovery in 2021. But, uh, you know, if you look at the actual impact, 2021 will still be 6% lower than we were at the beginning of 2020. So, to 2020. So, the impact on South Africa has been profound. I mean, we've had a we, uh, South Africa was already in a significant economic crisis. I mean, Mark Kodafani talked about the 10 lost years. Uh, we're already in an economic crisis, actually in a technical recession before COVID-19 hit. Um, and this year, based on the work that's been done by Business for South Africa, which is part, part of uh, BUSA, Business Unity South Africa, we're looking at a um, something like a 9% decline in GDP. We're looking at a 15% fis uh, fiscal deficit. Um, uh, 3 million jobs being lost. We've already had 2.2 million jobs lost, but that's not the end of the story. Those are formal sector uh, jobs being lost. And the anticipation is, and these are the words literally of the Minister of Finance, that if South Africa does nothing uh, about putting the handbrake on, particularly on the fiscal crisis we face, we could be facing a full-blown sovereign debt crisis within two to three years, you know, if we don't start making the real structural changes in the economy right now. So I want to echo the words that Mark Kodafani used, that South Africa is at a real crossroads or a real inflection point, um, and that tough uh, decisions need to be made now, not, not in two weeks' time, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, on the critical things that are going to do, that are needed to revive South Africa's economy. I've been privileged to have been part of the uh, president's uh, seven-person task team trying to negotiate a, a workable framework um, of how to revive the South African economy. Uh, I'm not going to make any specific references to the, what's been discussed or agreed there because the president and cabinet are still looking at the issues with the cabinet, the Horta, taking place on Wednesday and Thursday. But uh, just a couple of points I want to make is that the B4SA proposals that we've given government have been the most comprehensive ever uh, and the most agreed by business. We certainly need to act with more speed to, um, and in the short term, what we need to be looking at is how we uh, revive um, investor and business confidence. And to do that is going to involve uh, the prosecution of uh, actors in corruption, both in the private sector and, and, and in business. Uh, it's not just in the public sector. They, they take two to tango on this issue. And you saw that, um, uh, Bernard, in your, you know, in your questions up front uh, when you asked the audience. So many people are happy the Hawks are making arrests, but making arrests is one thing. Prosecuting people and making sure that they you know, end up in orange overalls is really what is going to help drive confidence in the short term, in my view. Urgent measures to create policy and regulatory certainty, opening up spectrum, urgent steps to um, reform the electricity supply and um, infrastructural sectors are all critical components of what we need to do uh, to, you know, get the economy back on track and to get investment flowing again. In, in the medium term, there are much more difficult um, institutional and structural reforms that are going to have to be put in place. You know, this includes much greater levels of private participation in areas like electricity, rail, etc., because the, the state model that we have at the moment is not necessarily delivering the economic vibrancy and, and, and competition that we need, which drives productivity, etc. A couple of words on, on the mining side. The impact on mining, obviously, uh, we've had significantly improved uh, engagement and, and, and leadership cooperation between the Minerals Council, the mining companies and government and organi the organized labor. Um, I think we've played a pathfinding role from a business perspective in the way that we've managed the crisis using a risk-based approach of both preventative and mitigating controls. But the president of the Minerals Council in a keynote a bit later will talk about this, so I'm not going to steal any of his thunder. It can be career limiting. 
Um, the hard lockdown had a big impact on the sector. Uh, we saw quite a big um, decline in production. And, uh, and obviously, we now have about 350,000 employees back. It's still just roughly short of 90,000 less than we normally have. We've seen quite a big improvement in our production in the August and September months. So we're seeing a recovery, but we're still expecting at least a 10% hit on mining production. The savior has been um, the improvement in, in dollar-based commodity prices for most commodities, with the exception of diamonds, and the um, you know uh, the weak the weaker rand, which has obviously had a big impact on on revenue streams back into the mining companies. But let's if we put this all in context, I think uh, the COVID-19 crisis has created not only for the country but also for the mining sector a significant inflection point and a catalyst, as much as it is a humanitarian crisis, uh, for. Um, us pressing the reset button. So I think this issue around the reset button is really key. Um, over the last two months, we have been engaging quite extensively with government, uh, with Minister Mantashe, um, on what we do to revive the mining sector. And there's now emerging a shared view that we can get mining back to above 10% of GDP and that we can get South Africa's share of global exploration expenditure from the current 1% back to about a 3 to 5% level within three to five years, if we do the right things to create the enabling framework to enable that to take place. So just to quickly highlight, there are, in our view, eight um, specific constraints that we um, think need to be tackled. Um, the first one is, and it, and it does resonate in some of the discussion that Bernard talked about a little bit earlier, the need for an economic and social leadership compact, including communities. Because we need all stakeholders to be pushing in the same direction, having a shared vision of, an inc of inclusive growth uh, and prosperity. The second key area is around uh, unlocking the fact that we, we have a, a basically a, a very little taking place in terms of greenfields exploration investment, uh, and we have a very limited new projects pipeline in South Africa, and we can change that. On the electricity supply and pricing side, massive constraints, prices have risen too quickly. What do we do about it? Other logistical bottlenecks, let's face the reality that we've had no extra capacity brought on stream in the last decade on coal, uh, on um, iron ore. There have been marginal improvements. There have been some growth in, on the chrome and on the manganese export side, but we could do a lot more and we are certainly working with Transnet on that. We've had regulatory and, regulatory and policy uncertainty, which has prevented long-term decision-making uh, from taking place, and that has a huge impact on investment hurdle rates and other areas. We've had declining cost competitiveness through the lack of modernization of the sector. Too many of our companies are sitting in the top right-hand side of the cost curve, uh, and we need to try and get ourselves down the cost curve. We've had these license to operate issues, um, which have had a big impact, creating tensions uh, both in communities and in, in terms of with organized labor. And then my last structural area that I think we need to think about is, is, is clearly on crime and illegal mining affecting the mining sector, which have had huge impacts on, on, on the mining sector as a whole. So what can we do about this? I mean, first of all, we do have at this stage a um, significant level of engagement taking place between uh, the DMRE and government more broadly and business. This is a great opportunity for us to unlock the catalysts for change, which are going to get this industry back to 10% of GDP, getting much more inclusive growth taking place going forward. We already have a leadership compact in place. We just need to involve the communities, and there's a process underway to try and de deal with that. We do need to develop a greenfields exploration strategy. South Africa still has enormous geological potential, and we think that there's significant progress that could be made there to create this much bigger new projects pipeline. 
as much as we know where a lot of the big stuff is, you know, South Africa's um, high-level geophysical mapping was last really done in the 1970s. And there's a lot that we can do to make South Africa much more attractive again, um, you know, to bring back um, a number of the greenfields explorers from not only the big companies, but obviously from the venture capital funded companies. On literacy supply, we think that opening up, and there's already uh, progress being made on allowing um, self-generation, private investment in self-generation, and we have had significant progress in discussion with Minister Mantashi on that. Other logistical bottlenecks, we're working with Transnet on the crime issues that are affecting some of their rail facilities, on the bottlenecks, et cetera, and we think that we can open up those opportunities. On the regulatory certainty side, uh, the minister's withdrawal of his appeal, I think, is a big step in the right direction. We're working with government on how we unlock other areas of policy certainty, which are currently uncertain areas. On the modernization side, we've had a huge drive through the Mandela Mining Precinct, working with the companies to try and look at how we can modernize the sector over time. And then on the license to operate areas, I think Mark was absolutely spot on that there's a lot of work being done about how we collaborate on social labor plans and how we drive the agenda there. And then on the crime and illegal mining side, we've been calling for a specialized task force in the police services to deal with mining crime. And all of these put together in a strategy that really takes the industry forward. And I'm pleased to say, last word, I'm going to say, yeah, Sandili, you know, you can really make progress if you've got a vision and you've got a plan and you're implementing both. And I think we're starting to get to that particular point in our interactions with government to try and take us to a different place.